Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Natchan Rinpoche, Chapter 29. Rinpoche paused and gazed at me intently. We sat silently for some five or ten minutes, and then he laughed. Maybe you find one of the female disciples of Guru Rinpoche and marry her. Rinpoche noted my bemused and vaguely soporific expression. Oh, yeah, but maybe now you need to sleep. Chapter 29. Voluptuous Poetry Rinpoche grinned broadly as I came through the door. He was still grinning when I'd offered my three prostrations. You have slept well? I had, indeed, and soundly. You have dreamed about Kandros? No, Rinpoche, well, not exactly. I had some mixed dreams about all kinds of things. Rinpoche nodded in a way that betokened that there was not much to say about this, but asked another question. The last dream, what was the last dream before waking? That was the strangest one, Rinpoche. I dreamt about an old girlfriend, someone from the time when I was at school. Lindy Dale. Rinpoche asked me about her and I gave him a short history of her and the termination of our relationship by her father, the heavy-handed Brigadier Dale. Jackie, is the door open? Rinpoche listened patiently and seemed interested in the details, so I probably said a little more than he required. He seemed particularly intrigued by her ginger hair. Yeah, you must find a kind-hearted woman. I said last night, you will remember what I said? You mentioned the female disciples of Guru Rinpoche and of finding one. Oh yeah, Guru Rinpoche's female disciples. There were very many, you remember? Yes, the 25 female disciples and the 25 Nakmas of Kachu. Yeah, many others too. There have been many incarnations in Tibet, Bhutan and Sikkim and maybe other countries. Many in the West also. Maybe you will find such a Khandra. How would I do that, Rinpoche? Rinpoche laughed. There is no method. Yeah, you can use mo and mirror divination, but then what? You find someone and they know nothing. Then you look like Tom York. You can only really know from awareness. I just speak of possibility. Such things are not uncommon in Tibet and maybe in the West it may become the same. In Vajrayana, the woman is always the Kandro and the man is the Pao. Kandroma means lady going in the sky and Pao means hero or warrior, like Lingesa. Then there is inner and outer. Women are externally Kandro and internally Pao, and for men it is the opposite. When there is non-dual realisation, these two are not separate. 
Before realisation, the Kandor and Powell find the nature of mind through union. This does not always mean sexual union, but through seeing and many different ways of contact. When you are in love, you know something of this inner Kandra as part of your own experience, and for the woman it is the same. This teaching can be found in every Tantra. Rinpoche took a sip of tea. This is well known by anyone who has studied the Tantras. It was early in the day and beer came later. Rinpoche laughed as he always did when I drank cold water. I never could relate to Pudja, Tibetan tea, with its salt and butter. Some Western people come to relish it, but I was never much of a tea drinker in any case. Give me espresso or give me death, or something like that. I will tell you about one big and beautiful Kandro, Rinpoche announced. I cannot remember her name and I never met her but she used to torment the monks at Dodrup Gomba. You remember the Tom Yours who drove Dodrupchen away and who then requested him not to show miracles when he died? Yes, Rinpoche, that was an extraordinary account. I was a little shocked by it in a way. I mean, that people could be such idiots. Oh yeah, the world is full of Tom Yours. And in Tibet, there were very many. Anyhow, there was this one big and beautiful Kandro, and she decided to teach the monks at Dodruk Gompa. She used to wait until all the monks were chanting together in the great hall, and then she would appear completely naked and jump around between them in their rows, waving her breasts at them and bumping them in the face with her buttocks. They'd try to catch her, but she was a good runner and very swift. They could never catch her, and when they looked as if they would succeed, she'd simply vanish through a wall and disappear. She'd wait until they all settled down again. Then she would begin her antics all over. Rinpoche was laughing heartily about this story. How did it all end? I asked. I do not know. But I think you would like this Kandro to come jumping into your room tonight. I'd certainly make her welcome, Rinpoche. Oh, yeah, you have much fire element. Maybe too much thinking of Kandros, he laughed. Rinpoche called for the lady of the house who sent her husband to Kunchok Rinpoche to tell him I'd not be back for dinner. Within the hour, a fine dish of noodles with goat meat uh, was sat before us. Rinpoche talked of Golok and the wonderful horsemen there. There are other stories about Kandros who tormented monks in this way. I like these stories. Also, there were some women who rode and some who were better than the men. They were powerful women. Some were Kandros. Maybe you need such a Kandro. I agreed wholeheartedly, so wholeheartedly that Rinpoche laughed and kept repeating what he'd said. It became one of the funniest things I'd ever heard, and by the end of a few recitations I started believing that it was not only possible, but that there was no avoiding it.
Yeah. You have heard of Shalka Tsardorchenzo. She was able to walk on water as if it was solid ground. The Christians say that Jesus Christ could also do this. Is this true? Yes, Rinpoche, and other miracles. So this is not unusual for Western people? No, Rinpoche, not if they are Christians. But these miracles are not really spoken of a great deal, not as far as I remember when I was young. Why is this? Well, that's complex. I think people like to ignore anything in the Bible that isn't convenient. Most people are uncomfortable with anything that doesn't fit with modern science or whatever their rationale dictates. So they say these miracles of Jesus Christ are just stories? No, it's not as simple as that. They just pretend they're not there. Oh yeah, I know this pretending. It's the same when people pretend that there is no Gurkha Chango Day or that there were never Nakmas. There are many people who say they practice Dharma, but really they practice buying and selling. They wear a smiling face, but inside they are full of anger and greed. You know these Tom yours? Yes, Rinpoche, I've met plenty like that. They're the ones who think the Lama is their personal property. Oh yeah, keeping others away and keeping everything for themselves, thinking they can own Dharma like owning money. There is no real devotion there. Rinpoche decided it was time for a walk around the lake at this point, and so he set out. I noticed that, unlike my walk with Kunchog Rinpoche, people kept a respectful distance from Kyabje Kunzangdorje Rinpoche. It seemed understood that he made the approach, if an approach was to be made. He spoke to a few people and touched their heads, but they never required the same service of me. This was a relief because I was somewhat on edge about that process. Whenever I walked around the lake with Rinpoche, there was some sort of history, or rather of the dissolution of history. To any Nyingma disciple, their Lama is Padmasambhava, and their Lama's consort is Yeshit Sogyal. I don't know how this functions for others, but with Rinpoche this was always true for me. How it was true is hard to describe. How this man who looked like Errol Flynn embodied the 9th century second Buddha who came to Tibet is not something that can be described. I'm not alone in viewing Rinpoche in this way, but I'm also not one of those people who becomes a born-again Tibetan. There were people I met in the East and back home who shed their culture and identity but I never did that. Admittedly, some who shed their cultures have now clad themselves anew in the mantles of their upbringing, but many fail to recognise the human problems inherent in transiting between significantly contrasting frames of mind. These changes are not a problem in themselves, but when those concerned judge others on their failure to be as full-on as they are, their intensity has to be called into question. 
I'm not intending to be critical of the enthusiasm of socio-perceptual reenactors. I think it's amazing to hear War Between the States reenactors talk about period rush, the experience of suddenly feeling it's 1864 and you really are a Confederate soldier. I wasn't seeking period rush on those walks around Solpema with Rinpoche. It just manifested from the ground up and from the sky down. This was the very lake and this the very place and he was Kyabje Kunzangdorje Rinpoche, the embodiment of Padmasambhava. It wasn't a colossal sensation. In fact, it was quite subtle and it came in ripples, almost as if the lake were washing over me. Almost as if the same air that was breathed in the ninth century were wafting over me. Now, I am not saying that an experience like this is important, necessary or the result of practice. I'm simply telling a story. I think that experiences of this kind have fed into how I am today and how I teach. I do recommend that Western people make at least one pilgrimage in order to experience being a practitioner in a land where it is conventional to be a Buddhist. Part of that normality consists of the way in which information is absorbed. This particular day was such a day. Rinpoche regaled me with a list of luminous ladies of the 9th century and I took careful note because he was telling me about ancient relatives within the Nyingma family. We returned to Rinpoche's room and took our ease. It was time for a glass of beer and a little lunch. I ate palaps for preference and also brought them with me. Palaps are Tibetan muffins and have an extremely slight mustard tang to them. I ate them hot with a little butter and always enjoyed them immensely. Rinpoche was always amused by my diet. I was vegetarian at the time, but always ate whatever was offered on the principle of being well-mannered. I also ate meat at the Tantric feast, as meat and alcohol are an essential aspect of the Tantric feast. I was never a vegetarian by religion. I simply felt I shouldn't eat what I knew I couldn't kill. Rinpoche had no issue with this, especially as I wasn't fixated on my diet and had no health-freak inclinations other than avoiding junk food. Yeah, someday, maybe soon, this also will change. Maybe better when you are in England again. Maybe better not to eat meat here because you get ill. But through eating meat you make a connection and for a tantrika that becomes important. Now it is a good discipline and your motivation is good, but later there are other disciplines that are more important. We sat for a while in silence and Rinpoche poured out two glasses of beer. Yeah, and so I will tell you of a candle. No, he laughed, not for you. Anyway, she is already too old for you. But if she would have you, it would be perfect. Yeah, but anyway, she was married and will not marry again. 
Anyhow, her name is Golok Kandro, Droloma Lamo. Kandro Droloma Lamo was recognised as a powerful Kandro at her birth. She is a Terton, a discoverer of the concealed treasure teachings of Guru Rinpoche and Yashit Sogyal. Her husband was Namtrul Jigme Puntsog Rinpoche. but he died in prison when the Chinese came. Her three brothers also were incarnations and they also died in prison. Then there was a great shortage of food due to the Chinese and her only son died before the age of 10. This is very sad. That such things happen is terrible. But anyway, there is something important to tell. Kandro Drolma Lamo and Namtrul Jigme Puntsog Rinpoche wrote some extremely important texts on the married relationship of Kandro and Paolo. It is an important practice for the Gurkha Changlo day, and so maybe this will be brought out of Tibet one day. Is there anything you can tell me about this, Rinpoche? Oh, yeah. There is love between lovers who are Tomyos and there is love that makes a reflection. When this reflection occurs, the couple become like mirrors and they reflect the nature of mind for each other. Then transmission is possible in many ways. This is not necessarily sexual, although sex can certainly happen, Rinpoche laughed. There is no law that we can't have sex. That is only the law for monks and nuns. We talked for some time and Rinpoche confided a great deal of highly interesting material on the nature of romance, which I came to think of as Vajra romance. The Kandro for men and the Powell for women are dramatic portals of realisation. They invoke wisdom and compassion from each other and act as an endless source of inspiration if their relationship is based on practice. What Kandro Droma Lamo and Namtrul Jigme Puntsog Rinpoche wrote about their relationship was the most marvellous poetry. You told me you wrote poetry. I replied in the affirmative and Rinpoche nodded. Yeah, good. To explain Vajrayana it is necessary. Vajrayana is not ordinary and so ordinary language cannot be used. Vajrayana is the poetry of existence beyond space and time. Do you have poetry with you here? I haven't written any poetry at all since I have been in India and Nepal. Most people say that the arts are just samsara. Kyabje Dujam Rinpoche says this? No, Kyabje Dujam Rinpoche never said anything like that. This is from Western people who've studied here longer than I have, and I just assumed that was the Buddhist view, so I stopped writing poetry. They are Tomyors, Rinpoche sighed. Vajrayana is every art, and you must be practising every art. If you do not practise every art, how can you know the elements? And if you do not know the elements, how can you know the essence of the elements? and open your eyes to great vision.
That was a question that answered itself, and I needed nothing more than this to begin writing poetry again. Rinpoche asked me to show him what I had written when I had completed a short piece on the lake at Sobhema. Through a hundred thousand meniscus leaves of sky reflection, the darkness of space sings in the cold mud. Through invisible veils of sky blowing in waves like an ocean of breath, the motionless mirror is self-mirrored. Through the silent lightning of impossible distance, the roaring silence of volatile vision recreates the lotus lake. Through a thousand years of winter rain rippled water, the explosion of night is undifferentiated from noon. The lotus-born and the lake queen, imminent in their imminence, manifest in every facet of limitless light. The piece proved impossible for Pema Dorje to, tra to translate. Rinpoche laughed. Oh, yeah, good, good, good. Pema Dorje cannot understand. That is too good. Then you are a great poet. I resisted saying, no, Rinpoche, I'm just a great Tomyor. But this time, not through any anxiety concerning Rinpoche's reaction. I'd just grown tired of my role as the Woody Allen of Vajrayana. I was heartily inspired. <laughs>